Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Loose Change Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be talking about everything NFL, including the Rams and the Ravens. We'll be asking if we should be buying or selling the hype on some fantasy players, including the Lions players, Goff, Hawkinson, and Williams. We'll be talking about some injuries before getting into our fantasy starts of the week. everybody and welcome back to the loose change podcast we got kyle and tyler giving their two cents on everything football uh kyle you were at the ravens game this week how was it oh man the first half was fantastic <laughs> uh the second half was not uh, but you know we had a good time it's always fun going down to baltimore get to see your team play at the home stadium uh you know the walmart's got good ravens gear everywhere's got good ravens gear uh, but <laughs> Man, the Bills fans traveled so well. Like, I checked into the hotel, and it was just Bills fans everywhere. Really, eh? The the lady checking me in was like, you guys here for the game? And I was like, yeah. And she looked so disappointed. And then I was like, I'm cheering for the Ravens, though. And it has, like, totally changed her mood. (laughs) She was just 10 times happier to see us. She sees a Canadian coming in to check in in Baltimore. She's like, another Bills fan. Great literally like we were sitting down having breakfast and it was just a sea of blue so i mean kudos to the bills fans you guys travel well so yeah good for them and they won 23 20 late field goal to win it uh so what was the score after half kyle let's start with the ravens what was the score after half so it was 20 to 3 going into half we had the opening drive interception set us up for some points we had a fumble recovery set us up for some points couldn't get it done at the end of the half off of a brutal offensive pass interference call on mark andrews oh yeah um, like it should have been called should have been a no it shouldn't have it was just like your typical route and kind of like shove um but they did call it something that Travis Kelsey and those guys get away with all the time. And it, it <laughs> took away a touchdown led to a field goal. So yeah, 20 to three going into half. Um, I heard a, a lot of shit talking when I went to, to go grab some beer, a lot of Ravens fans getting super hyped and it did not go that way. No, <laughs> did not no. Go well. <laughs> they yeah. end up getting outscored 20 to zero in the second half. And it's now with a state yeah. for the Ravens where it, it seems clear that no matter the lead, it can be 17 points. I guess, I guess it's against the Bills, so fair enough. But it's on Lamar's shoulders. The win and the loss is on Lamar's shoulders. You could be up 17. It'll be up 30 to 20. You need to score more points. That's just how this team has been built for the last two years now. They have no secondary. Yeah. They're relying way too heavily on Lamar. And like the secondary actually played well. I felt like we uh, kept the Bills in check, but having zero points scored on offense in the second half was just unacceptable. We had some questionable calls. Harbaugh was a little bit more aggressive than he probably should have been. It's what he's known for. So, I mean, sometimes you got to get after it when you're going against a, a team that's that tough. I don't think it goes all on Lamar, but did you know that like the Ravens have only been losing for a total of 14 seconds in their two combined losses? So they're two and two, and in their two losses, they've been losing for 14 seconds. No, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Dolphins so only been and losing Bills. For a total, they, yeah, they've only been losing for a total of 14 seconds in their games this year, and they're 2-2. Two and two. Were they not losing at all during their winning games either? No. So their whole season, they've only been losing for 14 mm-hmm. seconds? Yeah, wow, and somehow man. we're 2-2. Two and two. That is so, so brutal. Uh, we're, we're getting some guys back, so hopefully the Ravens' revenge tour continues. Lamar's continuing his revenge tour. It's just a matter of if the secondary steps up. Hopefully we get some pass rushers back soon. Yeah, for those that are kind of hoping for Lamar to win MVP, as a fantasy owner of Lamar and as someone who is bet on Lamar to win MVP and you, we both want that yeah. to happen. The odds went down after last week, but it's early in the season. I I say go bet on it again. Look at this defense. Look at this team. They're going to need Lamar to be the best quarterback in the league, the MVP, if they want to go anywhere. And I see them going somewhere. So Lamar yeah. will be in the and conversation. He wants, he wants the bag. If there's still money in your account after these first four weeks of the NFL, go put some on Lamar Jackson <laughs> to win MVP. <laughs> Uh, there's not but when Lamar wins MVP we're set up well for next year absolutely yeah I can't wait for that to happen uh, I have bets on Mahomes Allen and Hurts so it just sounds like Jackson would win it at this point so why not I put a Jackson bet down one of them will might do as it. well yeah so that's I mean what's going on with the Ravens is pretty much that it's just the defense is going to be meh to okay if they can figure it out on defense I feel fine with Lamar figuring it out they're they don't really have a lot of offensive weapons, but do you need them with Lamar? You have Andrews. Bateman's okay. Like, he's fine. Yeah, um, Bateman's, like, day-to-day with a foot injury, so I think he might miss this week. But Duvernay's been playing well. You've obviously got Andrews. Dobbins looked really good. Uh, and Gus Edwards is practicing again. I think that it really comes down to establishing a run game because that's been the Ravens' identity. And, like, they were never the team that blew late-game leads uh, up until this year. So I think that when they can start to establish that run game a little bit further, they're they're gravy. Like, there's just no way that they're giving up 17-point leads when you're running the ball for five yards a pop. Yeah, once you get back to how it was, it felt like two years ago, when the Ravens went up, it was they're going to run the ball, have 11-minute drives, and you'll never see the ball on defense. You'll throw an interception, game's over. They really aren't in that Buffalo Bills tier right now, but it's a long season. They can get there with some coaching. They have a great coach, a little bit more defense, a little bit more offensive structure. They'll be fine. I'm not worried about the Ravens. They've been relying on the big plays too much. Like They've had so many big like 75-yard plays, but they don't get these like 80 yard, you know, 12 play drives downfield, which yeah, is killing them. That's exactly it. And that's what you need from that type of team with how they're built. Uh, that's Absolutely. a team that I'm wondering about. Another team that's been, you know, they're in the WTF is going on segment as well is the Rams. The Rams have been not Super Bowl championship level no. this, this season at all. Not even. I get that they lost Whitworth and. We all knew that going into the season, but none of us expected it to be that big of a difference on the offensive line. They can't keep Stafford upright. He looks at his first read, Cooper Cup, and that is it. He he has no time for anything else. Is it just the offensive yeah. line? What else do you see as problems with this Rams team this year, Kyle? So I think it's a combination of like definitely the offensive line looks awful. 
the 49ers defensive line was all over Matt Stafford in that Monday night game. Like they were pushing linemen back the minute that ball was snapped. So that's obviously a glaring issue and losing your franchise left tackles, a huge loss. I think a lot of people overlook the loss of Robert Woods and even OBJ to an extent. They also don't have Van Jefferson healthy. And I I know people thought a Rob was that guy, but he's always been that contested catch guy and he played in these offenses where he was the only option. So they forced the ball to him, whether he was getting separation or not. And he's not getting separation. He so never did though. Like he never, he did never in his did. whole career. So he never did. And in theory, yeah, he could still be that contested catch guy, but I think it, they kind of, the problems are married to each other in the sense that when Stafford's, getting lasered by D lineman he's only getting the chance to go to his first read and if Robinson's not getting separation he's not going to have plays drawn up to be the first read because if your first read is covered you're not just going fuck it a Rob's down there and tossing it up to him you're going to go to your second read which is a Cooper Cup or a Tyler Higby at that point so and you don't have the time to progress through those reads so I, I think that that's what we're seeing, I think that they're going to have to get really creative or they're going to have to bring another body that can uh, kind of expand that playbook a little bit because right now it's just not working for them. Yeah, we've seen teams with mobile quarterbacks being able to get around that issue, if you will. Like I've seen a blown coverage in an Eagles play on offensive line and Hertz will run out of the way and throw the ball away, no sack necessary. With Stafford, as good as Stafford is, as good as Brady is, those types of players, they're just going to sit there and take it if they have to take it. And yeah. just getting backed up second and 17, you, there's no Robert Woods, there's no OBJ. So there's only Cooper Cup down there to make a play. It just seems like they're a very easy team to game plan against. And their defense is great for sure, but they need to be like a top five defense in the league if they're going to be competing for a Super Bowl, especially with this offense. And so far, they just haven't been. Yeah, and they they have the defensive talent, but I think a lot of it is when your offense struggles like that and has the defense on the field, it's kind of like what we saw with the Ravens. When your offense isn't marching the ball downfield and you're, you know, going three and out or you're, you may be quickly scoring, but putting your defense back out on the field, those guys are gassed. They don't have um, the time to really rest to game plan, you know, strategize around what they're seeing out there. So I think that we'll see some changes from the Rams, but it's going to start with that offense opening up for sure. And again, like they need someone that can create separation. A Rob might start to find his, you know, his groove as a contested catch guy, but they need someone that can get space off the line and catch that like quick slant if Cup's getting doubled. And someone we that, can't, you know, sorry. And we can't talk about the Rams unless we talk about their shitty running backs as well. Like, you need the run game to open yeah. up the passing game. They haven't. They are for running sure. for 69 yards a game so far, 30th in the league. Yeah, the run games looked awful, which just makes their offense that much worse, even more one-dimensional. You can't rely on the play action to create passing lanes now. So it's literally, okay, we're dropping back. Where's Cup? And if Cup's covered, you're taking a sack. 
So if that's your offensive game plan, you're basically the glorified Chicago Bears. So Yeah, and like I said, defense are nothing special. I'm looking at the stats right now. Middle of the pack for yards per game, passing, rushing, points per game, third down, everything. It's just average. So I'm worried about the Rams, Kyle. Uh Going into the season, they were the favorites to come out of the NFC. And now teams like the Eagles have gone on top of them. Buccaneers are ahead of them. Packers even, which they haven't been doing super great. But people don't believe in these Rams this year for good reason. Yeah, I expected a close game with the 49ers, and it was not that. Well, to cap off the Rams, they're playing Dallas in L.A. this week. What do you think about the game this upcoming week between Dallas and the Rams? You got Cooper Rush likely playing for Dallas still. Last time they played was in 2020. The Rams won 2017. I don't know if you can use two years ago stats, but is it going to be a close one? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that the Cowboys lead the league in sacks right now, which just does not go well for um, right <laughs> for Stafford. So and. I mean, if Trayvon Diggs can play solid coverage on Cooper Cup, uh, like that's an upside waiting to happen in my eyes. Like I, I feel like I'm almost forced to take the Cowboys just because they've been playing better, cleaner football. Yeah, honestly, it's crazy between the Cowboys and Rams as an Eagles fan, LA at home, that I'm not picking the Rams because I'm with you. I'm going with the Cowboys. They honestly might be a better team right now. I don't know if that's the case yeah. week 16. I hope it isn't. The Cowboys, I hope, suck. And I, I'm cheering against them for sure. But I think they win this game. Yeah, from a talent standpoint, the Rams got the beat. But just from an overall football standpoint, talent, unfortunately, doesn't always just win games just because you have the more talented team. Yeah, I guess it's early in the season. We'll see how it goes. But that's pretty much our questions for the Rams. Gabe Davis is... The last player I want to touch on in the WTF is going on segment. He's been injured, Kyle. But the thing is, he's been playing still. And outside of that week one long touchdown score that he got on a really weird play, he hasn't been getting looks in the end zone or anywhere on the field. He was drafted as the wide receiver 17. He's not been performing as a top 30 wide receiver. Are you panicking about Gabe Davis what the fuck is going on with him I would be starting to panic a little bit um I mean the Bills offense is explosive so that's a positive um you know that there's always going to be points there but you do have Josh Allen who's stealing you know those red zone looks so there's already less work to go around and Stefan Diggs is just getting fed the ball um And I think Gabe Davis early on really had the chance to try to run away with the job as like your number two uh, in that offense. And now we're starting to see, not that I think McKenzie or Khalil Shakir is necessarily going to replace Davis in that offense, but they're definitely going to eat into his snaps. So if Gabe Davis, if his snap count starts dropping and he's not out Mm. on the field for, you know, 70, 80% of snaps, he loses a lot of that appeal. Um, I think he's still projected to miss this week. Uh, If I recall, I thought I saw that he he missed a practice. So we'll see. Yeah. So he's 
still unknown, but if he does miss this week, uh, McKenzie's in concussion protocol. Now you have another body in Khalil Shakir that has a chance to step up um, in a really good matchup. So it's one of those things where now you have all these other mouths to feed and Gabe Davis isn't getting that, you know, really high end wide receiver to workload that you probably paid for him. And he's more of a flex play with high boom upside. Yeah. I think that's pretty much how I feel about it right now. And we are one or two games of a nine target, eight, eight catch one touchdown game from all of us right back on that bandwagon with Davis. But until we see it, I'm worried about him. I'm not trading him. I'm not cutting him. I'm sitting him and hoping for the best. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, he's been getting the snap shares up until recently. He missed the game in Tennessee, but otherwise he had 98, 96 and 98% of snaps, but his target counts just been dropping. Right. And he's very touchdown dependent. So you're just banking that he scores if you have him in your lineup. Yeah, so we're definitely not putting him as a starter. We'll be getting into our fantasy starts a little bit later, but first I want to do our recurring segment, buying or selling the hype. This goes for football in general, also fantasy football. We've been talking with the Lions, Kyle, pretty much every week in this segment, which is wild that us and other national (laughs) media is actually talking about the Lions. We're doing it like consistently and people actually care. It's crazy for the first time ever. Jared Goff, he was a streaming quarterback. He's my fantasy quarterback and I'm loving him. TJ Hawkinson is one of my fantasy tight ends in one of my four leagues. And he just had his best day ever. One of the best tight end performances of all time, actually. Yeah. There's Jamal Williams. These he's RB six on the year. I get that Swift is out, but let's start with Goff. Is this guy a top 12 fantasy quarterback rest of the year? I feel like he has to be right. Like you have the highest scoring offense in the NFL right now who their defense is awful, which is a great recipe for fantasy success. Oh yeah. You, you want a team that has to consistently put up points. Um, for fantasy purposes. What so was the I score last game see a with lot the Seahawks? Of oh man. It, it was, was like, like 48 40... to 45 or something. Yeah, it was crazy. Let me pull it up here. If Goff has to be throwing to that much. Yeah. Holy shit. 48 to 45. <laughs> so Goff's coming off his best game. They're averaging about 38 attempts, passing attempts per game. But he's had two separate weeks throwing four touchdowns. And last week he was losing or he, he was missing his top two weapons in Amon Ross St. Brown, a.k.a. the Sun God, yeah, and right. uh, Swift. So he yeah. showed that, you know, Josh Reynolds and Hawkinson are, are going to get it done for this offense, and I can still sling it around. So I'm, I'm buying into this Detroit offense, not necessarily because I think from an NFL standpoint that they are going to be – amazing but for fantasy they're they're amazing because they're putting up tons of points their defense sucks so you want shares in this offense and like they could finish the season as the top scoring offense in the entire nfl absolutely simply because 
they have the weapons and they're playing good football, but also because they're getting tons of opportunities and they have to score. And it's not like they're beating up on like the Texans and Bears, right? Like they put up 35 points against the Eagles week one. They, they're averaging 35 points a game, first in the league, 450 yards a game, Kyle, first in the league. This was without Amon Ra for some time. This was out without Swift for some time. This team in real life has a good offense. It's going to end the year as a top 10 offense in the league. Their defense so, is probably finishing last, though. Yeah, they're giving up by far right now. They're averaging the most points allowed in NFL history by like a wide margin, which is kind of wild to see that they're outscoring everyone, but playing the worst defense. They possible. are first in total yards and first in points for and last in total yards and last in points <laughs> against. That is crazy. Yeah. It's like that's like exactly what you want in fantasy though. So so um, Goff uh, so top 12 quarterback. I'm buying Goff. I'm buying it. Quarterback. I'm buying it too. I think like I mean outside of some of these top tier elite guys um, like you've got obviously like your Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Mahomes. Like at what point do you draw the line on golf? Like would you rather at this point start Kyler Murray against the Eagles or golf against the Patriots? Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so tough because the Eagles great defense. I get Kyler's better, but honestly, I think I'd go with golf. I think so too. And that's, that's so crazy to think. And like that is insane. guys that, you know, you, you went out and grabbed Stafford later in drafts thinking he was a great value or Russell Wilson. And like, who'd you, you rather start? With Russell you Wilson with Goff? Goff. Yeah. Great question. Goff. Yeah. And golf's probably yeah, the answer. So, that's wild, man. Yeah, absolutely. And he's going to have his buy next week. So great time to maybe pick him up and stash him for your future QB buy. Like I have Jalen Hurts. who has a week seven buy. Um, and Goff is playing against Dallas in week seven. So I've got Goff stashed away on my bench in some of those leagues just to plug in um, for week seven when it hurts is out. I love that. Yeah, we're buying that for sure. Are you buying or selling the fact that TJ Hawkinson, rest of year, will be a top six tight end? Because he had an unbelievable performance. It was a top 12 tight end performance of all time in fantasy. Yeah, it was an amazing week. So TJ Hawkinson over his past eight games has a comparable stat line to Kyle Pitts over his last eight games. So, um, however that makes you feel. If I had Hawkinson, I'd be selling him right now. Uh, I think that Hawkinson set up really well again this upcoming week. But I think, again, a lot of his volume came from the fact that Amon Ra and Swift were out. They're probably going to miss this week, which is where I see the benefit for Hawkinson. And the Patriots' defense has not been great against tight ends. So, could be a, a smash play this week. I think he's probably a top three tight end this week. Mm -hmm. But rest of season, top six. He's probably fringe just because the tight end market's so bad right now. That's but the I question, really do right? expect. Yeah, it's pretty much, Are you, do you expect Waller and Pitts, some of those guys, to turn it around? And if not, then Hawkinson should be up there for sure. So I'd say he's probably, I'd say he's probably right around six for me, so I'd have to buy that. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough question. I think Hawkinson, I'll go through the rankings. 
Kelsey Andrews, obviously. Goddard obviously. on that Kelsey Eagles actually. defense or on Eagles offense. You have to put Goddard in the top five. So I'm putting Goddard yep. up there. I have to believe that Darren Waller will figure it out at some point. For so sure. I'm putting him up there. I'm putting Pitts up there. I'm putting Higby up there. Higby's been Higby. unbelievable, right? And then at seven, I put Hawk. I put Hawkinson above Pitts. I put him above Ertz. I put him above Knox, Firemuth. But he's in that range, the seven to 12 range. He's a tight end one, stardom. But if you can get anything for him, especially after this week, you said he could be a top three tight end. He follows two top three tight end performances with a buy. If you can somehow sell him during that buy, do it. Absolutely. Like try to go buy low on someone that has a down week. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe try to get someone before they explode. Um, some of these running backs like, you know, Dalvin Cook, who hasn't really had uh, that crazy big week yet. Someone like that where it could be really beneficial or one of these stud young wide receivers that is starting to to get more involved in the offensive yeah. game plan. Hawk could be a part of that package. Like you package Hawk with Absolutely. someone for an improvement. For sure. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. The last line to talk about is Jamal Williams. He's a top six running back throughout the year so far, but that's a big part of Swift being out. But it's also a big part that with Swift in, he is the goal line back, Williams is. So yep. is Jamal Williams, are you buying or selling the hype that he's going to be a startable fantasy asset rest of the year? With Swift back, is Williams going to be good enough to play him in your lineup as a flex play and just feel good about it? Or are you going to be worried that he's not going to get anything until the Ted Darren light? So with Swift involved, Williams still had four touchdowns through the first three weeks. Um, it's hard to say, but it really feels like the Lions want to keep Swift fresh and bring him in for like these 10 to mm. 15 yard gains consistently. Uh, it doesn't really seem like they they want Swift to be the bell cow or a guy that's in the offensive lineup every single play. Yeah. Williams is built a little bit better to be a bell cow running back, the early down back, the goal line back. And you want, I mean, both are valuable for fantasy. I think that they both have value and I had uh, I have Swift in one of my leagues, and I also had Williams just sitting on my bench as what I originally planned to be a handcuff. But now, like I just feel obligated to plug Williams in my lineup every week. Like he's a he's the RB six right now on the year with six total touchdowns, and he's getting the high value touches. So um, I would almost put him in the you know. Do you think Williams finishes as a top twelve like RB one on the season? Wow, really? That high, eh? Top yeah, 12. I, like, I don't know I about top. Do you think he finishes as a top 20? Absolutely top 20. Really, Absolutely eh? Top 20. Wow. I'd probably have him in the 12 to 15 range. On the year. On the year. How 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 where do you put Swift? Uh Swift is probably somewhere in around like the 8 to 10 range for me. That's not I mean, too if far you're behind. At final eh? fantasy so, finish. Mm-hmm. Like Swiss also missed two weeks, so he could drop a little bit there as well. So, wow, I I love that you're I, buying I mean, the hype. I'm not buying the hype on him being that high running back. I think he'll be a flex play, but I don't think he's going to be an every week RB two when Swift is back. And I think the Lions 
can't continuously put up 35 points again, can they? Maybe. I mean, they they definitely could. I guess they could. Uh, I, guess. I don't think it's out of question just because, again, how bad their defense is playing. There's yeah. some matchups where, you know, I'd maybe be a little bit more concerned to go out and play Jamal Williams, but, um, like, he's got some really nice matchups down the stretch. Like, Dallas's run defense isn't great coming off the bye. Um, you'll have some tougher matchups where, with, like, Miami and Green Bay, but you've got Chicago, the Giants, the Jets. Your fantasy playoff schedule is Carolina, Chicago, then the Packers. So, actually, it would be 15, 16, 17. So, it would be Jets, Carolina, Chicago. Oh, wow. So, That's probably the best in the league. I don't know, but that sounds like the best playoff matchup in the league. Like, that's got to be, that's why you got to be targeting these Lions players, honestly. That's a great point. If you're 4 0 right now, you're getting offered Williams. People Tyler. think you might, yeah. Maybe you go out and do it. <laughs> Shit. I have to consider that. <laughs> so, <laughs> buying the selling the hype, you're buying Goff, you're kind of buying Hawkinson, like a little bit, and you're buying Jamal Williams. So, you're buying the Lions. I'm buying the shit out of them. I'd probably be more on the like sell side of Hawkinson. Yeah, that's just right. from like a, a value standpoint. I think that you're gonna get a better return from Hawkinson selling him than you will having him in your lineup every week. I agree with that. And I have been looking to sell Hawkinson for that reason. Another quarterback we're we're kind of gonna have to talk about if he keeps this up as an MVP candidate, Geno Smith. <laughs> this guy oh, man. man so today a reporter asked him he basically in his question was mentioning all his stats his passer rating his touchdowns got like just saying how good gino is and mentions that he was surprised by it and he goes oh you're surprised by that and he's like frankly yes i was surprised and gino goes guess you haven't seen me throw much like this guy's cold-blooded <laughs> He has the oh, most confidence of any quarterback, and he is absolutely a killer. Is he actually a guy? Yeah. Is he a dude? I don't know. He seems to be that guy. Like He's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL right now. He's completing 77% uh, of his throws, and he has no interceptions on the year. And Kyle, um, it's not like he's dinking and dunking. He has more yards per target than Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady and Matt Stafford right now. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so unreal to think about. Who would have thought Gino that, Smith, uh, the man himself, Gino Smith. I mean, he's looked the part and I'm a huge advocate for players have to have swagger in this league. Mm. And if they don't, their career starts dwindling away very quickly. Like they lose that bounce in their step. They lose that confidence. Suddenly, they just fall off the boat. And I think that happened with Gino for a while, but to see him have this swagger again, like he, the sky's the limit right now. The Seahawks look like they dominated the Broncos in that trade. Oh uh, yeah. Gino's playing better than Russell Wilson right now. Legit. And they look at what they got back in return for Russ. So I don't think that he's a fantasy asset, but as a real life asset, you know, if, the quarterback you're after in the 2023 draft doesn't fall to you. 
are you comfortable just going and grabbing one of these like top wide receivers or, or defensive players uh, with your couple first round picks next year and just trying to ride it out with Gino if he keeps playing with this? Like where where do you rank Gino in the starting quarterback NFL list? Non-fantasy, like actual starting quarterback. Non-fantasy, like, yeah, like you're an NFL GM. Okay, so you're an NFL GM, you have Geno Smith. I feel better with Geno Smith on my team than Matt Ryan. I feel better that yep. with Geno than Jimmy G, Marcus Mariota. Okay. Um, yep. Like, Ryan Tannehill, I feel better with Geno Smith. What about, like, you start getting into, like, the... Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, echelon of players. Like, yeah, if you want to start talking you younger guys, fuck, that's a good question. I think I have him above those guys. He's he's playing that well, and I know it's a small sample size, but he's been in the year the league a long time, and he's just not making mistakes that those young guys do. And the ball is the program. The ball is everything. He's not getting rid of the ball. He's not losing the ball. And that's what it comes down to. Like sometimes you just have to play clean football and that's what's keeping them in these games. Uh, would you rather Geno Smith or Jared Goff? <laughs> Jared Goff. <laughs> I think Jared yeah. Goff still, but I he's think falling. he's in the same tier. I agree. They're both doing the same things. Like Goff has turned the ball over a little bit more, but he's also expected to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, and he doesn't have a, a DK Metcalf that he can just toss it up to. So, um, but I mean, the the future is bright for the Seahawks. It at least gives them options in the draft, which is what I think you always want. Like you don't want to be picking in a spot where you are obligated to go get a quarterback because your franchise is relying on it. Um, and you might reach for a guy that maybe you didn't want, or you had a, a, a round later grade on. Right, like so, Kenny Pickett. I think, yeah, like that. The Steelers are a perfect example of Pickett probably would have been there in the second round, but because they put themselves in such a bad spot, they didn't have the option to, you know, take the best player available and then see if one of the uh, quarterbacks in the class fell to them in the second. They saw yeah. Pickett as the only guy and they had no option, so they had to take him. And I think that it takes the Seahawks out of that position in the draft. Yeah, he, he's been a home run so far. Uh, both of us are buying the hype on the guy, it seems. Yeah, I, I'm buying the hype. Well, that pretty much does it. Oh, no, sorry. One more player and buy the, buying or selling the hype. I'd like to ask you, because you are a Ravens fan, you have the inside scoop. J.K. Dobbins, is he running like he used to run? He is. Uh, and I talked about this a lot, a uh, couple of Miller lights deep uh, <laughs> after the game. Uh, but JK looked so good. Really? His runs were powerful. His cuts were super decisive. Um, he looked like that guy that could, you know, break away for a big play, but then he could also turn around and drop his shoulder and run over the defender in front of him like he was hitting holes hard he had quite a few broken tackles and um made a few defenders miss and he just looked like he was comfortable planting on that knee again and his his snap percentage went up so i'm expecting he's going to see a little bit more of those snaps this week still getting a little bit more involved and um, i don't know if you can rely on him as a 
two touchdown game type guy every week, but he's, he's startable. Like, would, would you feel comfortable starting JK Dobbins in your lineup right now? After that last game, I am, if I have him on my team, he is in my RB two spot moving forward. I have no qualms with that either. I think he was drafted to be that guy in fantasy drafts. And now after what we've seen, he is. And I think a lot of the reason his draft capital was where it was, was because people didn't know when he was going to be back. There was no clarity about that and how long it was going to take him to look the way he did, you know, in his rookie year. So the fact that he's looking like that now gives me confidence to definitely plug him in as um, a flex play, if not an RB2 every week. So I've got him in all my lineups this week. I'm hoping it doesn't burn me. I'm also buying the hype. And that was buying or selling the hype presented by no advertisers yet. So if you're an advertiser listening, you can sponsor that podcast for next to nothing. Just DM us at Podlu Change. Yeah. So that does it for buy and sell. Injury roundup. Let's go through a couple of these guys. Dobbins got hurt last year. It took him almost a year after. Maybe more. Like It took him like a full year after to get better. Javante Williams tears his ACL this week. Ah, that sucks for the Broncos. Let's talk fantasy in a second, but for the Broncos right now who are playing the Colts as we record, so we won't be talking about the game too much, how big of an impact to their team is this? It's a... It's a big impact. I think it's a bigger, it's a smaller impact than people expected it to be just mm-hmm. because Javante was still in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. Um, Melvin Gordon's still a very much a capable back. And yeah, he's okay. It's just going to, yeah. So I, I think that Gordon takes over uh, some of those carries, targets, and they went and signed Latavius Murray, who is also still a, an okay backup someone that can slot in to give your other guys a breather he looked great in london last week he really did he looked solid so as long as they're not relying on him to carry the ball 20 times a game i think that he'll be fine um but definitely the outlook like long term for the broncos gets a little bit murkier because gordon's on a one-year deal you've got like you don't go into next year hoping that Javante's ready to go for week one and in his previous form. So you have to, you know, maybe go draft a running back or you have to be a little bit more aggressive in the free agent market, picking up a running back that you feel comfortable slotting in as your starting guy next year. If, you know, if Javante opens up the season on pop or misses the yeah. first six to eight weeks, which could absolutely happen with the timing of it all. We just saw it happen with Dobbins this year could totally happen and um it wasn't like it was just the acl it was acl and lcl which right. is kind of what dolphins went through as well yeah. which is why his recovery took a bit longer so yeah that's tough wishing him the best jonathan taylor is a yeah. player that has never missed a practice supposedly in high school college or nfl up until this week he's missing the game thursday night with the broncos that just got played Moving forward, hopefully it's nothing serious. Are you worried about him, Kyle? Uh, I'm not like super worried about him. I think Jonathan Taylor's been a little bit underwhelming overall anyhow. 
Um, so hopefully, you know, he just rests up. I hope that they take their time with him more than I hope they rush him back. I'd rather have a hundred percent Jonathan Taylor and miss two weeks of him than have 80% Jonathan Taylor and obviously feel obligated to have him in my lineup and then put up a stinker. So if I'm yeah. the Colts, I'm worried because he makes their offense very one dimensional without him in there. And, um, I mean, for fantasy, obviously you you drafted this guy with the number one overall pick so, so that's you not want great. It out there yeah no it's just not great around the board but i'm not like super concerned they still say day to day there was a chance he was going to play is just a really quick turnaround time with the thursday night so i think he'll be back next week yeah that's the same feeling as i have with him with tua it's a different thing because it's a concussion you don't really know but with the way the nfl handled it and public's reaction I swear, like, the best 100 doctors in the world could have cleared Tua for this week and he wouldn't be playing. You know what I mean? Like, with what happened, you need to sit Tua at least a week and you need to have him ready to go before he steps on the field. If he has to go another week or two without it, with how this has taken place publicly, it's a terrible look for the NFL. And fair enough. Like, I, I was disgusted watching to uh move his arms For all sure. weird it was awful to watch they showed in the broadcast like 27 times so i had to see it yeah gosh man i really hope that he's okay and moving forward the nfl needs to figure out their concussion protocol so yeah, for those that don't know, they did change their concussion protocol slightly where if a a player shows a sign of like stumbling or something like that um they are automatically removed from the game like they can't return so that's a step in the right direction so i mean it's so hard to say because they have the protocols in place but you also you don't want a team's starting quarterback coming out just because if he clears protocol and it seems like that's going to be a little bit more of a normal thing now yeah so it might not be as big of a difference maker now but come playoffs like i would be livid if lamar like hit his head and was okay to come back in the game and wasn't allowed to and the ravens lost in playoffs because of that so it's give and take but players health comes first so you just uh Go pray for the best. You want to make sure that these guys have a long, healthy career. Tua's looking good, and hopefully he's back out there in like two weeks. Yeah, Cordero is 32 years old, and he's been like defying father time. He has been so good for the Falcons. He was running back four on on the season before he gets injured. Now he's missing four games at least on the IR. How do we feel about his replacements? And when he comes back, should he be right back into his RB1, RB2 status? No. Um, I think the combination of Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley is going to take over this backfield. It's going to be a timeshare. Uh, for those, like, I drafted Algier a little bit later in my rookie draft, and I feel great about having him stashed away. Uh, just to see what he's capable of. And I don't yeah. think Cordero is really going to be a factor, you know, next year, 
But I think Cordero comes back and it's going to be a bit more of a timeshare. I'll probably use Cordero a little bit more out of the passing game, maybe line him up in the slot a little bit more. Um, these like sweeps, reverses, things like that. If these running backs show that they can carry the, the workload, one of them is going to step up. I think, I don't think it's going to be a split, like a 50, 50 split. It'll probably be a 60, 40. And one of them's just got to edge out the other. And uh, yeah. then Cordero starts to factor in when he gets back, but he's, not back for four weeks and Damian Williams is supposed to be back in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah. I'm not buying any RB one hype with him. What the injury roundup is pretty much going to conclude with Cordero, unless you have any points on Traylon Burks before we wrap that up. Uh, Traylon Burks dealing with turf toe. He's going to miss a few weeks. Yeah. Is what it is. Play Robert Woods until Robert he's back. Woods. Yep. So that's injury roundup. Also looking for a sponsor. Hit us up. Canadian tire. So that is Injury Roundup, Buy, Sell, What the Fuck is Going On. It leaves us with only two segments to go. Fantasy Plays of the Week and our Survivor Play of the Week. So I'll start with Fantasy. The Jaguars running backs are going up against the Houston Texans. Kyle, the Houston Texans Rundy might be historically bad. They suck. Have you gotten a chance to tune into any Texans games this year? Um, I probably had the chance to. I've just purposely avoided them. Good call. Good call. Because every time it's just they they literally stack the box and then a running back on the opposing team runs through eight players and gets a 20 yard carry. They are 31st against the run, 172 rush yards a game against them. Oh my goodness. You can just That's do crazy. whatever you want. Like, just go ahead, run right through him. The Jaguars have James Robinson, who they love. He's in your lineups, obviously. But Etienne is someone who was drafted in like the fourth round in most fantasy leagues. And he really has not been what we expected him to be. He's RB32 on Fantasy Pros for this week. I say he's going to finish as a top 20 running back. Probably get a touchdown just because that's how bad this Texans run D is. If you give him even five carries, I'm very happy with Etienne this this game. Etienne Robinson, sure. play them in your lineups. Yeah, that's a fantastic matchup. I actually probably feel a little bit more confident in Etienne than Robinson in this matchup just because Etienne's starting to get a little bit more of the snaps. I think it was the first week that he actually eclipsed Robinson in total snap percentage. Really? So, hey? I think we're going to start to see a bit of a changing in the guard. Uh, like I said in one of our earlier shows, I think Robinson's always going to be a factor as long as he's healthy. But it's it's inevitable that Talent's going to win out and ETN's going to uh, to start to take away some of those opportunities. And I think this might be a big week for him. Fair enough. Do you have an RB play of the week? I do. Um, I'm rolling with Kareem Hunt. The Hunt? Um, yeah, so on. a lot of this, like Hunt's been just meh for a couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Chubb's been phenomenal. But I think that the Chargers are bound to explode offensively, which is who the Browns are playing this week. And the Browns have to play keep up. And unfortunately, running the ball with Chubb down late in the game is not the best way to come back. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to see, you know, 
I think we're just going to see a lot of offensive plays. I think Chubb's still going to get his work. It's going to be a fine play as well because the Chargers' run D is like 30th in the league as well, I think. So they're down there. It's a really good matchup. But I think Kareem Hunt just figures to be a little bit more involved in the passing game, um, getting those you know dump-offs. They still give him high-value touches in the red zone and stuff. So That's the thing. I was watching the game. Hunt. He had like three red zone targets in – a quarter and converted on none of them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just inevitable that it's going to happen eventually. So I think that uh, it's cream hunts week. Like he had a really good week one. He's fallen off since, um, but I think he's going to be a top 15 guy this week. Yeah. I think it's at the point of the season where you kind of have to start looking at matchups because you have enough data to see what teams are going to be this year. And yeah, if you look at hunt against that team, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you just kind of have to roll with it at that point. Um, like the Chargers giving up the 30th most points per game. So are they you just <laughs> okay? Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a, an offensive. I didn't realize it's that think, bad. So, yeah, their last game, they both scored 40 points when they played each other, the Chargers and the Browns. So hoping for another one of those. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, Terry McLaurin is my wide receiver start of the week. He's one a player that yeah, right? He he has been scary to put in your lineup, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You drafted him like he's gonna be your wide receiver too, and he has not been that. On the weeks he was he's been a wide receiver too only twice in the year on the year. The other times, low one, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. I think this week he could be a wide receiver one. He's going up against Tennessee. They have the 28th ranked pass defense. Washington is not going to have a huge lead in this game. They're not going to lean on the run defense. They're going to need to pass. Dotson's out. McLaurin, this is the game for you. There's no other weapons to catch a touchdown besides Samuel and maybe Logan Thomas. I'm looking for McLaurin to catch a touchdown. Also, probably catch eight other receptions. 100 yards, I could see that happening. Wentz is a fine play against Tennessee as well. But McLaurin, put him in your starting lineups. Do not bench him this week. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with Dotson out. Like, Dotson's seeing a lot of those yeah. deep targets, which is kind of taking away from McLaurin. Um, I'm always scared to have him in my lineup. He's just very mid always. Yeah. But he has his weeks, so this might be the one where he, he just goes off and wins you a week in fantasy. So, And if he does, trade him right after. Like yes, cash <laughs> if you can in, get value for Terry, Terry, you trade him. You trade That's him just right like away. A, a rule of thumb. Do you have any wide receiver starts of the week before we move on? Uh, the only one I'd probably throw out there really quickly would be Khalil Shakir or Isaiah McKenzie, depending if McKenzie mm. plays. Um, the Buffalo slot receiver. Yeah, the Buffalo slot receiver in this game, like Crowder, uh, is out he broke his ankle i think it was in the I game think last right. week yeah so i like again the um the slot role is going to get filled in like a really high powered offense so whoever's playing that role whether it's mckenzie or shakir um could just be really valuable play someone that you could I mean, McKenzie is probably not on waivers, but Shakir could be a spot start if your starter ends up missing uh, the week and you need someone to play. And they're going against the abysmal Steelers secondary. So they're giving up um, 
They're 24th in yards allowed per game right now. So I just think that they don't match up well against Buffalo and Buffalo's going to have a heyday. So, yeah. And especially against slot receivers, Pittsburgh just never seems to do good. No, they seem more concerned with like your outside receivers. So that's where it's going to open up. If Dawson Knox plays might be a good play as well, but um, Buffalo should, should walk the Steelers here. Absolutely. And those are our fantasy starts of the week presented by yet again, no advertisers. I'm begging for Manscaped to hit me up. (laughs) So survivor plays of the week, Kyle, you earned your first loss last week, picking your lions. That (sighs) felt unfair because we recorded on Wednesday and we found out a bunch of injuries on Thursday, but you know, a loss is a loss. I, uh, I rolled with the listeners here. Um, I really badly wanted to pivot away from the lions. I was sitting there yeah. Saturday night going, do I go to the Vikings mm. going against the Andy Dalton saints? That would have worked. What do I do? But I felt awful telling, um, all of you guys right. out there to roll with the lions and not riding with <laughs> you. So, and it bit me last time. So it bit me this time rolling with it's my noble of you to do that. I hope. I hope you guys pivoted once you saw the injury news. I definitely didn't feel great about it going into Sunday. Uh, This week, I am rolling with the Jags. So it's a little bit of a more interesting one, I think. At home, it's the Texans, favorited by a touchdown. They're they're at home. It's realistically a a divisional matchup. The Jags have really looked apart. Like I know you were watching the Eagles game, but um just score watching they were giving it to the eagles in the early parts of that game and if it wasn't for a bunch of fumbles they had uh, five turnovers yeah so obviously you can't win games like that but the philly defense is nothing to be that's the thing right and there's rainy arguably the best defense in the league so i think that um i think that the jags just play a really good game here like they they've got to win a divisional matchup they just lost uh to philly and they want they want to come out and win another game so i'm rolling with them as opposed to one of the big dogs because i think this is one of the matchups where you can you know use up a team that isn't someone that you're going to rely on every week or someone that you feel confident maybe using as a pick when you absolutely have to so yeah sometimes you just got to take a chance on survivor right Exactly, because like we could pick the Bucks against the Falcons, they're ten point favorites. We could pick the Bills, who are two touchdown favorites. Those seem like picks we want later in the season. So I also want to hold on to them, and that's why I'm going with the Vikings this week. They're at home to the Bears. The Bears stink, and they're favored by a touchdown. The Vikings are also not playing in prime time this game. So look for Kirk Cousins to have an unbelievable <laughs> game. I like the Vikings yeah. as my survivor pick. Lock it in, and we'll see you next week. So a scientist weighed a rainbow. Found out it was pretty light. <laughs>